There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome again to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, great to be back with you again for another week. Uh, it's always uh, lovely to be talking to you over here in the UK on a Friday afternoon. Uh, got a week's holiday coming up as well, so uh, really in a good form today. And I'm excited about the show and talking about uh, stakeholder engagement uh, with my uh, my guests today, um, Alex Catmore and Nelly Tramassi-Mensa. Um, but before we do that, let's have a, a little you know, a little thought back to the show last week, and um, but also I'd just like to say again a, a big thank you to Owen O'Sullivan who um, wrote the theme music to and created it to this show, and you know, pretty cool to have somebody who's uh, written theme music for uh, Steven Spielberg and um, and worked with some amazing people uh, like Russell Crowe and people like that um, as a musician and a composer create music for you. So thank you, Owen, really appreciate it. Also, I'd like to say a big thank you to Business Growth Bureau and also to uh, the Telephone Assassin, Assassin Anthony Steers for uh, your support, and uh, I've had a lot of people telling me um, of late how good Anthony's um, book is and the shows particularly if you're interested in telephone sales and um, I also recommend um, checking out Business Growth Bureau if you're interested in developing your business through LinkedIn I work with them and it's led to some quite amazing opportunities actually working with them and connecting with people via LinkedIn who might um, value the work that I do around uh, elevating businesses and building engagement so last week we had on the show Isaac Lidsky and I've been a little bit surprised this week in, uh, and a few people saying to me, you know, it was brilliant, fancy having uh, Weasel from Saved by the Bell on the show. And Alex, uh, I, I wasn't familiar with that, but um, a lot of people are. And uh, Isaac was an amazing guy. He's, uh, you know, 19. He was in, he was been in this as a youngster in, in his teenage lives in this uh, in this um, really iconic TV show in the United States, but then he lost his eyesight through a genetic uh, uh, ailment. And um, as a result of that, um, he, he just continued, actually. Um, he said he had more vision uh, when he didn't have his vision um, from his, uh, his reflections and thinking in his head and the way that he filtered out negativity that he, he saw around him when he was uh, visual, able to visualize things. And he went on to um, graduate from Harvard and become a law clerk and then build some amazing businesses, one that he sold for about $230 million. So uh, I'd ever listen to that if you're interested. It's a benefit to anybody who is... Um, uh, is whether they're able of seeing or not you will gain wisdom from listening to him he was a little bit tired last week he comes straight off a long long flight and talked to me so i think he probably rather been in bed but he it was really appreciated that he came on so let's talk about stakeholder engagement and i think you know i think it's true that it's probably never been a time when it's been easier to connect with stakeholders with all the technology that we have yet you know this the ability to connect with even more I guess um, could be a challenge um, but I wonder how we sort of truly engage with them such that when we implement change initiatives we do so really effectively and I know my guest today Alex Katmore 
uh, who's worked with clients across a wide range of sectors, um, helping them with uh, the most of their information assets, um, has been working with um, technology and working with stakeholder management for for many years and helping to build long-term resilience across organizations. He's also got some uh, pretty, he's a keen runner, a bit like myself, and he helps run a 300-strong softball league. He's a proud father, a husband, uh, and he likes gardening as well. Um, which uh, so we've got some similarities apart from the softball, which I'm sure would probably be another thing I'd get addicted to if I had a go. And then we've got Nelly Tramassi Mensa, and Melly, N- Nelly um, specialises in delivering and embedding transformational change with a focus on managing and motivating individuals and teams to achieve the benefits of change programmes. She's a chartered member of the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. She's worked on major, major projects, been successful delivering multi-million pound construction projects, programs for large private and public sector clients. Um, and uh, she also has a real passion for mentoring young people, uh, which we'll have a, a little chat with her about at the moment. So a huge welcome to Alex and Nelly. Thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, Good to Chris. be here. Yeah, it's great to join you. Um, and I remember Saved by the Bell. That was a that was a program was of my childhood that. as well. So I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, it's quite yeah, it's quite fascinating what what some of these uh, you know people get to do. I, I, I interviewed um, Jeff B. Cohen a couple of years ago, and Jeff is uh, an amazing. He's a, he's a lawyer in Los Angeles, and. Uh, helps works in the entertainment industry, but he was he was um, chunk from the Goonies. I don't know if you remember. The oh Goonies. wow! <laughs> 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 uh, he still he laughs at me because because I say chunk, and he's, he's got a very American way of saying chunk chunk. But he, um, it's uh, yeah, it's quite quite amazing looking at him, and he, he basically couldn't become a child. He stopped becoming a child actor because he he just suddenly started losing his weight, which was what he was getting bust. <laughs> can't call someone chunk if they've lost all that weight <laughs> so um he was became slim chunk so <laughs> let's um let's have a chat about um uh you know, alex you, you just sort of started talking there a little bit first so tell us a little bit about um i'm not so much interested in the cv i'm kind of interested in the you know what life was like growing up for you and how, how actually you ended up you know being passionate about what you're passionate about today well it's a uh... It's it's a slightly um, winding path. I I grew up in a in a big close family. Uh, my father is a civil engineer, so the sort of the construction piece is a little bit in my blood. But certainly early on in my it, when I when I first was having an idea of what I wanted to do, I, I I kind of thought I'd follow a career in law. But we've always as a family we've travelled. We've been very very fortunate. We've been spread to the sort of four corners of the earth. I was I was born out in the Middle East, um, had relatives over variously in Australia, America, Central Europe, all over the place. And so I love and I've always enjoyed experiencing different cultures and new experiences. And I guess that's really what brought me to where I am today is I came out of as 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 some people, as many people I think at this day and age experience, I came out of university, I'd I'd read law there. I thought that was where I wanted to go. And actually, I got out and I went, I'm not sure it is. So I tried a few different things and happenstance came. I, I, I ended up working for the company that I work for now. And there was just, there was a huge variety of opportunities. And just, there was lots of different things that they were doing. They were working on some really exciting projects. There were some really cool people to work with. And 
they I was lucky enough that they sort of took that interest and took that drive for new experiences and just said, here, hit run with it. Um, and so that kind of that 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 shapes me outside of work as well. Uh, the softball thing. So I've been playing softball now 12, 13 years. I'm not that great at it, but it was just completely by chance. I was walking through a park. Um, the league had only just started. One of the teams were really short of people and just one, someone came up to me and said, Hey, do you fancy playing softball for a bit? I was like, I have no idea what this is, but I'll give it a go. They put a, a baseball style mitt on one hand and said, you catch with this. And I, I kind of figured out the rest as I went along. Excellent. And where does, um, <clears throat> where does your surname then Catmull come from? Because I'm not one I've come across. It's we don't know a hundred percent. One of the the working theories is that uh, either in Oxfordshire or Bedfordshire there is a lake of cats, or was a lake of cats, and Catmere became Catmur over time. Uh, we've got some roots in East London as well, although you probably wouldn't tell it from the accent. That's a good. Yeah, my wife's a Nor uh, maiden name was Norgain, and I think they think it came from <coughs> Norgay to do with uh, Norway. Um, so, ah. a little different one as well. There's not many of those around either. Yeah, we are. If you find if you find someone with our surname, there's a chance, a good chance, we're traceably related. So it's it's quite a, it's quite a unique one. Yeah, and and, and Nelly, um, lovely to have you on the show as well. And tell me about you. Where do, where did you grow up and? Uh, where did you end up and how did you end up doing what you do? <clears throat> well, um, I was born in Ghana, actually. So I you know, grew up um, surrounded by a really large, close-knit family. And by family, I'm talking cousins and aunties and uncles, because um, in Ghanaian culture, there's no such thing as extended family. Family's family, that's it. Um, so I you know, grew up in Ghana, really close with my family, and then moved here to London when I was 10 and grew up in southeast London, went to school, went to uni in Loughborough. Um, but I always like to say that um, I'm Garnish. So I'm Ghanaian and British because it's it's both of those things are a part of who I am. Um, and interestingly, actually, the funny that Alex just said about his surname, if you meet someone with Catmers, they're probably related. If you meet someone with the same um combination of my surname they are definitely a family member of mine um my surname is quite a unique combination um of those two the Chumessi and the Mensa um so you know I was I think that across you know whether I grew up uh, here in London or if I'd grown up in Accra in Ghana I was always going to work in construction I've got lots of family members are in construction um like Alex my dad is also a civil engineer uh, so it was always going to be that case it was more which part of the industry I would land in. Um, and I think in the end, I chose project management because it is this perfect blend of having to, you know, you have to have good technical knowledge and be good with processes, but you have to be even better with people. And I I really like people. I, I'm fascinated. I'm that person. If I'm out and about, I will go and make friends with just random people and I'll be chatting away to them because um, I'm not just passionate about people. I'm fascinated by human beings. I think that if, if you can work out what makes someone tick, you, you are able to not just walk alongside them, but you can help them as well. Uh, so, I, and you know, coming from such a large family and everyone being so close I think that that's always that's sort of bled into me as I've grown up and people are really important to me you know making sure that those around me are 
that they are they are maximized in terms of their potential they are happy and they are actually fulfilled as well um i suppose from a just the sort of outside of work perspective i'm really passionate about acting and writing so i do a bit of script writing and i'll um, i haven't been quite busy recently so i haven't as done as much as i used to but sort of sketches little um sort of uh, animated sketches and sort of live theater performances as well because uh, i was a uh, director of a drama troupe uh, here in london so that's that's a little bit about me it is really it's interesting listening to you and listening to alex uh, in the fact that you know you you both Alex had a you know a global network of family uh, mm. to I guess kind of engage had this this kind of network you had a you know a big network of family in Ghana and, and that's obviously expanded with you and maybe other members of the family overseas so you know dealing with this network of, uh, of families you know throughout your life you now find yourself in a business and you're dealing with networks of people um, and I, I really get your, your 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 sentiment about people you know I think. I've mentioned it before on the show. Somebody once said to me when my first week after graduating, you know, Chris, it was a sales director and he was, he was retiring and he came over to my desk and he said, he said, Chris, can I share a little bit of advice with you? And I said, yeah, he said, you're, you're starting your career this week uh, and I'm just finishing mine this week. Um, if there's one, can I give you one tip, uh, one um, lesson for my career that will stand you in good stead? And I said, yeah, sure. What's that? And he said, people are everything. Yeah. And I've really mulled over that and I've ended up working like you because I love people uh, with people. That's my, my kind of passion. So this is why we're talking about engaging with people and, and, and with stakeholders today. So just very briefly. So um, so we work for Faith and Gold, uh, which is an integrated project and program management consultancy. What that means in very simple terms is we help clients realize value from their built estate. So it might be national infrastructure projects, uh, mega cities in the desert or primary primary schools or historic monuments. Um, it's really all about ma- maximizing and realizing value from the built um, estate. And it's it's really for both Alex and I, actually, I, I know I can speak on Alex's behalf because we both agree on this. It's, it's a privilege to work with the people that we do because um, we are in the midst of the cutting edge of uh, conversations. And we are both really passionate about what we do, but we're also surrounded by equally passionate people who are all about delighting clients. Um, and also looking at the way in which we conceive and consume and interact with space and trying to be making sure that we're actually being sustainable and responsible in the way in which we do that and in the way we support um, our clients to do that. And so I think I think that's that's quite a good sort of summary of you know where we work and the the our sort of uh, colleagues really in terms of our focus and our outlook. It's a it's a fascinating place to work. I mean, the way we, as, as Nelly was saying, the way we consume space, the way we interact with space is just is changing so much at the moment. Um, you look at something like the the increase of telecommuting, telecommuting and the the decentralising of offices, potentially the next 10, 20, 30 years of autonomous vehicles changing the, and making car parking spaces and the amount of land that's taken up just for car parking. The the way we the way we need and use space so for the next next sort of 20 30 years and we'll be working for that sort of period of time is going to change dramatically and we're going to be at the heart of that that makes it fascinating what, a, what an amazing um, place to work sounds sounds incredible There's all sorts of variety of projects i imagine you get involved in we just got two minutes till commercial break um but um 
I just want to ask you, I'm asking you, Nelly, maybe, what, what, how would you define stakeholder management engagement? Sorry. So I, I think that stakeholder engagement, in its simplest form, is when you are seeking to understand, influence, and collaborate with anyone who's going to be impacted by the change you're about to uh, land on them, essentially. And stakeholder engagement is primarily this two-way conversation. There should be this loop of sort of feedback and comments, and and stakeholder engagement is all about your change initiative being shaped and molded and impacted and changed by the feedback you're getting from your stakeholders. Um, So anyone that's going to be impacted by the thing you're about to change, they should have a voice and you should be seeking to really understand how this change that's coming is going to impact them and how you can land it well, but also make sure that actually they're going to get the most benefits out of it. Sounds very, very wise to me. There must be a lot of implementations that have happened where people haven't felt like they've been had the opportunity to be you know, consulted. Um, but obviously, when you do it well, it's going to massively help a change project. So we've got to go to commercial break now. So after the break, we'll find out uh, a bit more about um, about why stakeholders are so important to project success and uh, and some thoughts about um, you know how to create good stakeholder engagement and how to maintain it through large projects and that sort of thing. So we'll be back with you again with uh, with Nelly and Alex in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Nelly Tramassi Mensa and Alex Katmer, and we're talking about stakeholder engagement. Um, and after the break, left before the break, we were finding out about uh, about Alex's background and uh, also Nelly's background from from Ghana and the fact they they were brought up with these sort of global networks of family and how now they're involved with a major fascinating um, projects, uh, construction projects, and are clearly um, engaging with stakeholders you know, on projects all over the world. So, you know, important, as uh, I think it was Nelly was saying and Alex was saying just before the break, uh, to make sure that we engage not just with processes, but we engage with people and we listen to what those people have to say uh, to help shape uh, the project as it evolves. So, um, Alex, you know, um, even more so let's just uh, go a little bit deeper into that point around you know stakeholders and you know why they're so important to a project's success what's your thoughts on that well projects are intended to deliver something and whether it's a change project that is meant to embed a new way of working a new process long-term sustainable change of some sort or it is a project to deliver a piece of software or a building anything they have an end user they've got people who are going to benefit people who are impacted by it and those people they are at the heart and soul of that project that's their requirements that you're, you're, you're hopefully shaping your project to meet it's their the impact on them that you've got to consider so these and these people are your stakeholders they're 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 the they're the people that you have to put at front and center for all of you as all of your considerations as you're going through the forming the case for that project what is it worth doing what i'm going to do is this going to deliver the benefit that i want it to deliver um uh, i think of think of it with my i've got a three-year-old son um and sometimes trying to get him to do anything is a bit like a project because i know what the outcome is is going to be but what i've got to do is convince him the the principal stakeholder that there is a value in and a benefit to him of of doing this and of of working with me to to achieve this end and quite often the project being it's a really temporary stru- structure it's a temporary construct so we'll come in and we will will work with people to create new processes introduce these processes embed them train people up and then we'll as the project team we might we might take a step back and we might go on to the next project but those processes those things that we've created those buildings whatever it might be they they persist and our stakeholders, uh, or at least some of them, are going to be the people who use, who benefit from, who have to follow those processes for uh, once we've written off long and long and long ago into the sunset. Um, Nelly has a uh, has a great phrase that we like to use when talking about stakeholder engagement, particularly around the importance of stakeholders, which is don't forget your stakeholders because they won't they won't forget you you might forget your stakeholders sorry but they won't forget you because they are the ones who are ultimately set impacted by and central to what you're trying to do yeah so is that a you know is that sort of nearly is that a like a definition of a stakeholder in the respect that they're you know central to what you're going to do or you know they're impacted by your actions or project absolutely um i think that without you know if you don't have your stakeholders at the front and center of what you're doing your whatever you deliver is going to be of no use because you haven't considered them if you don't engage your stakeholders 
they will engage you, but it will be in a way that you probably don't want them to. They will engage with the project no matter in no matter what it is, um, and you'll you'll find that actually the way in which they're engaging, you're not in the driving seat. You're not able to actually positively engage, and it becomes a firefighting solution. So it is very much that thing of you might forget your stakeholders, but they will not forget you because they're living with the thing that you, you've you've built for them or you've delivered for them, so that you are going to be you know present in their minds so is um i mean just just thinking about the word stakeholder i've not mm. thought about it uh, in a great detail before but i imagine you know, a stakeholder sounds like somebody who's maybe you know, got a stake in the hand and could uh, you know could potentially put that stake in the ground and could actually build a fence and um and and be resistant and stop you effectively implementing what you want to implement Absolutely. I think I've read somewhere before someone said that a stakeholder can put a stake through the heart of your project. Ah, yes. And and they really, really can. So it's so important that we, you know, you actually engage your stakeholders. And in this day and age where particularly sort of some of the larger, more public projects, we're, where people are able to form communities that are geographically incredibly disparate um, but come together on social media over the internet and 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 share ideas and and and, and reinforce views it's it's even more important your stakeholder groups are, are growing and they're becoming more and more vocal and more and more communicative and it's it's all the more important to keep them keep them engaged and keep them on board mm-hmm. how, how wide can your, your stakeholders go so like you know, I remember one client I was working with and they had uh, somebody raised a bit of an issue about their business and the following morning, 36,000 people were talking about them on, on Facebook and it grew from there. Um, well, we've we've had some fairly prominent projects in, or one very prominent project in the UK that has um, arguably uh, a stakeholder group of several tens, if not hundreds of millions of people uh, in the form of in, in the form of Brexit. But it really it, it all depends on the scale and the scope of your project. And we've worked on projects where there is a truly global stakeholder group because what you're trying to achieve has a has a has an impact at a, at a global level on groups of people if you're delivering capability or if you're delivering change that will be felt across an organization then if that organization's in 10 different countries your stakeholder group can be can be located in each of those countries you probably just should point out that the two of you aren't involved in brexit no no no, in no way thankfully (laughs) (laughs) it was a proverbial we (laughs) so how, how um how do you uh, you know, maintain really great engagement to a, a large project. What's your thoughts on that? You've, you've got to have some, you've got to have something to say, um, and it's so you're not communicating because communication is. I think we're, we're coming to communication is really at the heart of effective engagement and that two-way communication um, where you're receiving feedback from your stakeholders as well as communicating to your stakeholders is absolutely at the heart of that, of maintaining that engagement, ensuring that that feedback loop is there. Ultimately, if someone is, if someone is just bombarding you with information, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, and you don't feel like you've got an op- had an opportunity or got an opportunity to respond to that, 
eventually, if not very quickly, you're going to start to put up barriers to that. And you're going to start to potentially resent the fact that you're getting all this deluge of information and there's there's no opportunity to, to be part of a conversation. So ha- making sure people always have the opportunity to to communicate and to to ha- make their opinions, their feelings known and do this in, I mean, we've talked about social media. There are, I mean, there are a, a wide variety, particularly in this in this day and age, where digital tools make it quite so easy to reach a wide range of people. Engage in a considered manner. So don't employ a scattergun approach. Know your engagement channels. Understand who you're engaging with, and make sure that you know what, how and target your engagement accordingly. And and I think as well with large projects specifically, one of the things you can do is with a large project, there will be bits of it that will be ready at different times. So maintaining that engagement, starting to think about success stories or starting to do sort of really considered um, pieces around look at this section that's been finished and look at the benefits it's bringing because it's that sort of bread and butter thing of change. If people are seeing the good news stories as you're going along, um, it, it helps with adoption and it helps with engagement really. And the thing with large projects is it's quite a long period of time before you get to the end state. So rather than um, sort of waiting to the end state, as you go along, chunking it up into a sort of uh, bite-sized consumable good news stories of, you know, the sections that have been finished or some of the benefits that these changes already bring in really helps to maintain engagement. Yeah, that makes huge amount of sense. I'm, I'm thinking about the Brexit debacle over here at the moment, which uh, Alex raised. And, uh, you know, the in, in terms of stakeholders, you know, people were asked to vote on something that they didn't really understand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've ended up as a consequence of that with, you know, a huge amount of stakeholders who are, are not happy. And it's having, a, you know, huge ructions on, on, you know, the political establishment, really. And the order of it is a consequence of the way everything's kind of manifested. So I think it's an example of probably uh, how not to do it, I suspect. Um, but, uh, a very, but a very divisive and, uh, and, and challenging issue to get your head around it. So probably one we can all, all learn from. Um, so how, um, <clears throat> how do you best understand the stakeholders then? I know you've got, you've got some sort of thoughts on you know, different types of stakeholders. I'm kind of interested yeah. in how you categorize them and maybe how you, you know, how you, um, can then work with those that categorization to, you know, more effectively engage them through a process and a journey. Yes, um, and I think I think that really, how do you understand your stakeholders? It's talking to them. There is no substitute for speaking to your stakeholders, and you know, be it face to face or virtually, and. Just if you were trying to engage your stakeholders over email, know that it's not going to be in the fullness and things will get lost in translation. Um, I think a really important thing as well is understanding the culture that exists in the organization or the group your stakeholders are in, because that inevitably will have such an impact in the way in which your stakeholders behave. And so when you understand the culture, you can understand your stakeholders. The the I, I like to call it the how we do things around here factor is actually really powerful um and i think that you know once you you start to under, once you start to speak to your stakeholders and you start to understand the culture you can start to segment your stakeholder groups into personas and you know i think in digital uh, sort of uh, development it, 
personas are used a lot, but I, I stakeholder engagement and change, it's not probably used as much. But um, one of the things that we did last year was start to look at what are some of the more common personas that you can come across? Um, and that's where our sort of Snow White and the seven stakeholders talk came from. And it's that piece of making sure that you're, you're in a place where you, you start to understand the personas, understand the impact those personas are going to have on your change program, but then also start to tailor your engagement to them. So, you know, you, you might want to make sure that if you've got a group of traditionalists, for example, in your stakeholder group, you don't want to go off showing them the shiny new thing and it just assuming that this shiny new to- uh, tool that you're going to roll out is going to be enough to convince them to get buy-in, to get them engaged. Um, it's knowing that actually you need to ensure that you're highlighting personal benefits to the traditionalists because traditionalists oftentimes are like, I'm quite happy with how things are. Why are we changing anything? So, you know, understanding your stakeholders is really about knowing where they're coming from, but also then actually starting to uh, sort of segment them into these personas. And no one is ever going to be strictly a traditionalist. There is, there is a blend in those personas, but having that idea and starting to do your stakeholder mapping in that way helps you understand your stakeholders but it also helps you actually tailor your engagement uh, sort of strategies to them as well so these are people who probably don't don't like change particularly yes. um, <laughs> yeah. so we get we had we came up with sort of it seven characters so uh snow white and the seven stakeholders and we had a, gr- a group of people who represented where in our experience the the the, t- the typical characters that we came across and it was it's light-hearted it's quite fun it's obviously got that fairy tale analogy and i think that's quite important this is it's a it's quite a serious it's quite a uh, um an academic topic in 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 some regards and injecting some humor into it and injecting some some personality into it is is a great way of of, of grounding it back in the people because it's it is it's all about the people so and you can start to understand which which groups of people and which mixes of people work well together because we talked about Nelly just talked about the traditionalist and we had we had our characters the skeptic and the luddite and, and everybody's favorite the character who just doesn't like change but we also have people like the early adopter and the digital native. And these 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 characters can be real positive forces in your project, particularly transformational, digital transformational um, change projects, as we were talking about. Because there are always, in so, far, in so much as we might be tempted to focus on the, the challenging people and the challenging stakeholders to a project, because oftentimes we've got to put more work in to overcome their objections or to get them on board or to meet their expectations. Actually, there are some really valuable stakeholders in your, uh, for your project, you, would, you hope, which are those who really back it, who get it, who understand what it is you're trying to do or are bought into what you want to deliver and have a real stake or may have a stake in getting that project to succeed. And understanding them and and engaging them you can you can you can you can get them to do some of the heavy lifting they can evangelize they can be out there going hey guys what we're doing or what we're going to do or what what's changing and the change that's coming is really really good it's going to help you it's going to and they can help people to internalize the benefits and see see the change or see the project for as a good thing in a way that perhaps you as the project team where you are seen as the people who have to do have to deliver this and therefore 
your message is viewed as well you're obviously you're going to say that they ha- they can be more convincing if you if you if you hear something from somebody that you trust and that you you identify with on a personal basis as a peer or as a friend or as a as a trusted colleague rather than somebody who is um, at a remove from you you're often more likely to to value and to give weight to and credence to that message right so i'm kind of intrigued maybe you can uh, you can help uh, nelly with um the characteristics of the person who is labeled as a luddite ah right yes <laughs> so this this is a person who doesn't like technology in in all truth and honesty they they don't like technology they're not comfortable with it and actually there is there's an element of fear with with luddites when, you, when we're talking about digital and technology you'll find that that, that sort of characteristic will, won't be very, very responsive to your message and they will genuinely struggle to embrace the opportunity and chances are they're going to reject the change because there is this fear of the unknown. There is this fear of, you know, am I going to have to upskill? Will I actually get how to do this? You know, is this something that everyone else sees, sees as basic, but I don't because I stay away from technology. Um, and, you know, this, this character can really actually slow down your change process and mm-hmm. they will need some handholding. Yes. That goes without saying. Yes, I just um, I should say thank you to Catapult Partners who um, Elizabeth uh, Vinberg Hearn and uh, Steve, who introduced me uh, to yourselves, because that's yes. what, what they much what they do, and they help people to deal with that technological change and the culture and the people, and because um, it is a it is a journey, and it does require change, and it does require people to adapt, and uh, there's a good you know way to go about doing that effectively. So thank you to them. Well, we're going to go to commercial break again now, and after the break, we're going to talk about some strategies that you can use to engage your stakeholders. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
888-346-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Alex and Nelly, and we're talking about stakeholder engagement. And before the break, we're talking about uh, uh, the... um, Talk about Snow White and the uh, seven, uh, whatever it was, was it? <laughs> seven stakeholders. <laughs> we make that slip. <laughs> seven stakeholders, um, of course, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, and um, yeah, we were talking about the traditionalist and the skeptic, the Luddite, don't like change, early adopter, uh, digital animal, was it? Digital, digital native. native. Digital native. And then we've also got one more, I think, of the seven. Missing one. What's that one? On. Traditionalist, skeptic, luddite. I don't like change. Digital native, early adopter. Early adopter. And that's it. That's, that's it. seven. Is it holdout? The holdout. The holdout. The holdout. The holdout is the one that just you don't really find out at, about till towards the end of the project, and you realise that they might have asked a few questions or nodded along in a few sessions, and then just decided that actually they were going to blithely keep doing the things the way they they they'd always done them um and just quietly passively resist particularly change or change efforts uh and they require a little bit of gentle intervention possibly in in a corporate at least in the corporate world senior leadership or 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 somebody in a position of authority to, to 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 require that they that they engage it's a it's a challenging one but quite quite luckily you don't hopefully meet very many of those uh, along the way mm. yeah I, I, it's, it's great uh, splitting that up and thinking about those segments and how you can uh, then potentially approach them I, i'm interested to know you know the strategies that you use on projects to really engage with stakeholders so i mean we've spoken of, and we talked over uh, over the course of today about sort of there's lots of different ways and there's lots of different um particularly this day and age with, with all the proliferation of uh, software and 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 tools social media there's lots of ways to engage stakeholders and lots of mediums to engage stakeholders so you've got to and you want to use those to their maximum and uh, the one thing we were we were talking about construction 4.0 which is the the the, the, the revolution that the construction industry is going in, it sort of mirrors Industry 4.0. And we made the point that actually social media has become, whether it's on a whether it's on a sort of a professional level as well as a personal level, a real influencing factor in the way you way people communicate and the way we want to consume and receive information. So it's really important to consider the tools that you've got at your disposal when you're engaging stakeholders. 
but that doesn't mean that sort of the more digital tools, the the the, the mass audience tools are a panacea. There is a lot to be said for, and in many cases, there's no substitute for some good face-to-face interaction where possible. Video calls if, if, if are, are a good substitute, but getting out and meeting people and being able to personally persuade them is a is still a really important strategy for engaging and technique for engaging stakeholders. What you can, sorry, sorry. No, I was just reading um, that uh, if if you send a communication by email, then people will typically uh, read that about twenty five percent more negatively than it was actually intended. So yeah, that the point you made there about making face to face communication, people kind of get your sincerity, don't they? If you meet them face to face, if you if you're congruent, so you know, that's uh, you know makes is, is more likely to be effective than than uh, an email absolutely and i mean and partly that is the context that we receive so many emails on on a day-to-day basis i mean both work and personal my my personal email account has lots of fancy automatic filters that are uh, allegedly meant to surface only the emails that i really need to pay attention to but i still have to trawl through the rest just to make sure and i'm i'm deluged and and you're right you you start to view those those communication mediums with a bit of with a bit of cynicism one thing you can do that you because you can't meet everybody face to face targeting your engagement so in a way that shows and this is where that segmentation that those characters as playful as they are come into this is targeting your message to a specific stakeholder group so it resonates that you you read that message and you think okay this is directed at me personally this 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 community this 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 message understands and recognizes my needs i think that's really important i think on a personal level we're going to respond to that really well now depending on the characters you are and depending on that blend of characteristics you might have, there are different strategies that that you can use to bring people on board with your change or your project. And Nelly mentioned some earlier in terms of the, the maintaining engagement through a large project where you can start to give people a bit of a vision of what the future is going to be like. You can show them part of the project that's been completed, or you can take them to somewhere that where something similar has happened. A, a big one at the moment um, in the working environment is the move, the, the, the move over time to agile working, to open plan offices from cubicles, fixed desks. And it's been, it's quite a, it, it's a relatively simple process, but it's quite a, challenging change for people because it means a fundamental change to the space that they might spend eight nine ten hours a day in and helping people to see what an agile working space actually looks like can really let people put themselves in the place of where they'll be in the future and it takes that it takes that fear away from it i guess it gives them time to adjust as well because sometimes it can it's a little bit like you know, a car design comes out and people look at it and think, oh gosh, don't like that. And But actually within a, a year or two, it's uh, it's the norm and it's accepted and it's liked. Um, but uh, I guess with like an, off, an office of that nature, if you've had the chance to pre-see it, think about it, reflect on it, get your head around it, then um, that will save that pain uh, a little bit further down the line. And it, 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 it allows people to then to feedback. It's, it's a, a re- retail stores often try new shop concepts and new fit outs in one or two stores because 
they can see how 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 the public who are their principal stakeholder because they're the people coming in that they want to attract in they're the people who they want to spend money in there they can see how they respond and they can tweak and adjust their design and understand whether there are bits that need to be amended before they then spend all of that money rolling it out across across their branches mm. so so nelly do you have an example of that you've come across or you've experienced where there's been really exceptional stakeholder engagement and it's been due to the endeavours of the people who've been running the project? So so I think that I've I've got quite a few actually. One that isn't quite sort of, sort of corporate and work and it's uh, around the the Deadpool uh, movie when it first came when it was coming out and that engagement from the cast to the people that were potentially going to see this film. It was such a impressively done and well thought out um sort of marketing campaign but actually it was really engagement because what they were trying to do and clearly what they were trying to do was to appeal to people that weren't just um comic book fans or might like ryan reynolds or might actually like the character deadpool you could see that they were really engaging to make sure that any fringe sort of people that saw this advert were intrigued enough that they'd go and see it or they'd at least pay a bit more attention than they would ordinarily um and so th- that was that 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 was a few years ago that was wasn't it and that was such an interesting campaign in terms of engaging um i think another example is one that alex talks about a lot which is a gas replacement works that was happening in cardiff city center now it was quite the you know as these oft these works often are quite disruptive and cause lots of traffic but they had a twitter account which they used on a regular basis to really engage with the public and really um, make sure that information wasn't uh, just sort of street rumors as i like to call it it was real information coming directly from the project team and they gave a mechanism and a space for members of the public who were going to be impacted by this to actually be able to feedback to actually be able to have dialogue and um and communication with the project team and you know alex always talks about this and he says that he doesn't live anywhere near where the gas works were happening but he noticed it and he paid attention and i think that's when you know you really know you've got exceptional stakeholder engagement where you're not necessarily a stakeholder yourself but it makes you go ah okay that's that's good. If I was a stakeholder, I would be, you know, I would receive this well. I would feel really engaged. How about you, Alex? Uh, other than that, I mean, the gas replacement once it works is, is probably the, the classic example there for me in terms of it was it, that allowed people to just have feel personally informed about what was what was some fairly major works for them and what was really impacting them on a on a day-to-day basis it just it really it it, and it was it supplemented the the face-to-face meetings and the information boards and the plans that were available on websites it was just that that extra layer that made them made them sit up and think okay they're, they're, they're taking a personal account of the impact that this is having on me excellent well, um, we're actually not far from the end of the show now. It's gone really, really quickly. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, interested if you've got any, any final messages that you might like to leave us with. You know, what's, um, how would you kind of summarise this for us, uh, Nelly? Um, I think the main takeaway that we want people to take away from this is 
people, as you know, stakeholder engagement is fundamental to successful change initiatives. But stakeholder engagement is about people. Actually, change initiatives are all about people. So keeping people in the center of what you're doing is going to help massively towards um, actually achieving success, especially when you were talking about digital transformation. I think oftentimes you can get distracted by uh, the, the shiny new tools and the shiny new uh, sort of tech that's coming. But actually keeping people at the center of your engagement, keeping, um, you know, making sure that you understand who your stakeholders are, making sure that you actually also understand the changes in the way in which people want to be communicated with. Um, I, you know, I often talk about the fact that with social media and with being asked for our feedback on all sorts of things, you know, you ring British Gas and they ask you after the phone call, how did we do? It conditions us all to expect to be asked for our feedback. So when you are engaging with your stakeholders, you need to bear that in mind in terms of the, the change in the expectation of your stakeholders but fundamentally stakeholder engagement and change is really about people and if we keep people at the center of it actually it isn't complicated it can be complex but actually stakeholder engagement change management isn't com complicated at all it's fair it's easy but it is complex excellent thank you and how about you Alex and I think building on that the there is this 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 idea that I mean, this isn't just ticking a box. This isn't just this isn't a means to an end whereby you go, okay, well, I, I engage my stakeholders. That'll get them to buy into what it is that I want to do, and I can I can achieve the outcome that I have perhaps set out with, or we have a perhaps set out with at the beginning of this project, at the beginning of the process. Uh, to go to, to and, and and deliver exactly what it is. It's a, it's about collaboration. It's about co-creation. It's about bringing your stakeholders and putting them, and making them part of the project team. Um, and you can't you you're going to have to compromise. They are going to have to compromise. You can't deliver everything that everybody wants. Uh, we've we we see we see we see projects that that really struggle because they are trying to meet the needs of too many people, and that that compromise isn't there. But yeah putting people at the heart of the creation process is a brilliant way to engage them. Fantastic. Well, we're going to have to end, end it there. I think that's a great way to end there. Put people at the heart of the, of the engagement of the process of a, of a project. Really enjoyed talking with both, both of you today. And uh, I think it's a fascinating subject. It's a, a hugely valuable one and an important one for anyone who's putting in a change initiative through an organization. So um, it's, a, it's a contact point for you if, either, if, you, if people want to get hold of you. We are both on LinkedIn, but also you can contact us through our um, our company website, fgould.com. Fantastic. Well, um, on next week's show, we have, um, we're going to repeat the show on change management, which was myself and my colleague, John Jennings. Uh, we do lots of sometimes lecturing at on MBA level and things like that around change. And we shared our thoughts on, on change management, uh, just one of the subjects that we, we get involved in. So uh, I'm going away doing a little bit of training for my quadrathlon. Uh, that's only in a few weeks away now. A bit scary up in Scotland. I'm heading up this weekend. So um, I shall um, wish you all well. And we'll be back again with you very shortly shortly and once again a huge thank you to to Alex Catmore and to um, to Nelly uh, Chamasi Mensa uh, for um, some great thoughts and inspiration today on stakeholder management engagement I should say
We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 